Welcome to the Awakening Podcast Network. Get ready for an inspiring audio from this cutting-edge voice. You can find more podcasts at awakeningpodcasts.com. You want to go deeper? Get equipped to overcome and walk in God's purpose for your life at Awakening House of Prayer's online campus. You'll experience an online family, preaching, teaching, and prophetic impartation for victorious living. We have over a thousand members online hungry for what God is saying and doing in the earth. Visit ahop.online today and join our family. AHOP TV empowers believers with spirit-inspired messages and strategic equipping that accelerates your spiritual growth. You can subscribe to stream weekly content from Awakening House of Prayer, conferences, and other exclusive content to stir your hunger and encourage your heart. Visit us online at ahop.tv. I want everybody in the room to welcome, along with those at home, Dr. Cindy Trim. Amen. Hallelujah. We're so excited to be here today. We thank Pastor Ryan, and we're looking forward to spending the next few moments excavating the Word of God. We know that the Word of God brings life to you, and we are decreeing that anything that has been illegally uh, uh, attacked by the enemy, we are decreeing divine reversal tonight. We are decreeing that anything that is illegally held in prison that is being loose right now, whether it is your son or your daughter, your husband, whether it is finances, whatever is illegally in prison is getting ready to be loose. If you believe it, shout, I believe you. Tonight, we are absolutely excited to be a part of your life and we enjoy doing your life. It's an honor and it's a privilege. We want to go directly into the word of God today. We've been teaching for the last couple of months on spiritual maturation. Very important. The scripture says that now we are the sons of God. And it's interesting because when we talk about sonship, it's in relationship to our heavenly father. Even scripture says, when you pray, pray our father, which art in heaven. And the beautiful thing about being a born-again believer is this, that God does not have stepchildren. He has adopted us all, and one day we are going to look like Jesus Christ, his only begotten son. We are being transformed into his image. And that transformation is a process. It is a metamorphosis. And so as we begin to encourage you to grow up in the things of the Lord and expose you to, to the eight stages of spiritual maturation, tonight we want to talk about stage. Stage number six, stage number six, and we want to go directly into the word of God. But before we do, let's ask God to bless our time together. Our Father and our God, we give you praise and honor and glory. You said that there would come a time when the set time will be released to favor us. And I thank you that during this dispensation of grace, you are favoring us. You are dispensing not only grace, but favor. Favor is not just for some of us, but all of us, God. And we thank you for the season of favor that you are bringing us in. Now, as we gather around your word, I pray for a special anointing that the heavens over us will be open, that you will give us open hearts and open spirits and open minds as we pray the prayer of Jabez. 
us, that you would enlarge our territory, that you would give us the ability to expand our mind so that we can receive your your downloads that will establish us in present truth. You said foxes have holes, the birds of the ear have nests, but the son of man had not where to lay his head. There was no nothing or no one that had the capacity. And so you created the church and you place your head upon the church, which makes us your body. And now, Father, we are coming boldly to the throne room of God, asking, oh God, for a special anointing tonight. It's the anointing that breaks yoke. I pray that you would think through my mind, that you would speak through my lips. Let there be none of me, all of you. As we excavate the word of God, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would carry the anointing and that you would make this word plain, that you would give me articulation of speech, that indeed we will not only be hearers of the word, but doers of the word after we apply it and then see application and manifestation. Bless our time together in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Let's go directly to the word of God from out of the book of first John chapter three, verses one to three. First John chapter three, verses one to three. There are eight stages of spiritual maturation. We've talked about all of the other five stages and you can go back and listen to the teaching because it's on demand. And um, those of you that want to play catch up, it's easy to play catch up. Just listen to the series on demand and it will bring you straight to this point. We are on stage number six, which is Tacnon. Now in the natural, that's a stage between the ages of 13 to 20 and a very important stage because in each stage of spiritual matron, there is a dimension of authority that is, is actually released to you. And so the level of authority that you will be exposed to is probational. This is when God is going to give you access to a limited amount of power, spiritual power, and he will place you on probation. He wants to see what you will do with this power and whether he can trust you. And it's very important because in stage number six, which is technon, uh, we're dealing with something that is technical. And it's this stage which places you in the prophetic process that we call mentorship. Mentorship. And when we talk about mentorship, it simply means that you posture yourself as a disciple or as a protege of someone who acts as your guide or your advisor or your counselor. It means that this individual, whether they be a spiritual teacher or a tutor or a mentor or a spiritual leader, and um, it simply means that you recognize that although you have been given power, it is probationary. And because it's between the ages of 13 and 20, that stage of spiritual maturation, what is important is for you to understand this, that although between the ages of 13 and 20 in the natural is possible for you to become a mother or a father, it is not a time for you to parent anybody. You may be gifted. You may be talented. Uh, you, you, someone might give you a title, but, but it, it is too early for you to begin to mentor anyone. It's time for you to be mentored. It's time for you to be discipled. And this is a very important stage because it's usually during this stage that rebellion happens. You know, those of you that have parented teenagers between the ages of 13 and 20, they don't want to be told what to do. And a lot of parents 
parents make a mistake in, in parenting their teenagers, they want to become a friend of the teenager. Uh, this is the time where they are proven. This is the time where you don't do this because of age. You do this because of age. And what you're doing is not so much restricting authority. What you are doing is you're disciplining. You're offering them an opportunity to discipline, bringing them from being like a floodlight in the world to be a laser light. Wow. And so when you when you have a laser, the light is not dispersed all over the place. It's taken through a, a, a conduit. And 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 this is this is the most important stage of spiritual maturation. First John 3, 1 to 3 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called sons of God. Now that word sons is technon. It's different from the other words, gaster, and those other words that we talked about. This is technon. Now were we the sons of God. Therefore, <clears throat> The world knoweth us not, be it uh, uh, because it does not know him. Beloved, now are we the technons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. In other words, God is posturing you in a position where the world is finally going to recognize you as a son of God. The, remember the scripture says the whole earth is groaning, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. And this word son is to be son place, manifestation of those that are son place. Now, before you your son place before you have a rite of passage where you are now able to become a mater pater or a mother and father in Zion, you have to qualify. And this qualification is spiritual. That word technon is not only referring to the offspring or a child, but it's a, it's a metaphor that, that um, infers a reciprocal relationship, a relationship between someone who you are are calling a, a mother or father or relationship between someone who is mentoring you or someone that you submit to. Almost like in the olden days, they would have the pupil and the master, or they would have the master and the disciple. So it is, not only will the person know who you are, but you also will know who that person is. And so you, you, you occupy or you posture yourself as a pupil, a learner, a disciple with a teacher, because their, their main job is to instruct you and nourish you and mold you to be able to recognize your gifts and your talents, and then to provide the discipline. Now, discipline is not the same thing as correction. When you correct someone, usually there's pain associated with it. But when you discipline someone, there's discomfort without pain. Wow discomfort without pain. In other words, you're not always going to feel good about any, any discipline, but you're going to trust your mentor. You're going to be a protege that is going to trust God through the individual because now you take on the role as a spiritual son and a spiritual daughter. Now, one of the best ways for me to explain the technon is to give you several examples. And the first example I want to give you is the story of Jeremiah. And Jeremiah chapter one, if you could go there with me, please. One of the things that Jeremiah is exposed to was his purpose. Now, purpose is different from destiny. Purpose is determined by God, but must be discovered by you. 
Now, it, it is etched in granite. It never changes, but your destiny is determined by you because it's attached to a decision. And the moment a decision is made, your destiny is altered. You couldn't determine that you were in coming here tonight. But because you made a decision to come here, it means that you altered your destiny because you could be sitting home watching television. And the television, whatever show you were watching, would have influenced your decision making, thus affected your destiny. Now, let's take this a little bit further. And why knowing purpose is important. Because purpose dictates relationships. Purpose dictates timing. And so if you don't know your, your purpose, you're going to mess up with your relationship and you're going to mess up with the timing of the Lord. The scripture says that there is a season for everything and a time for every purpose. And so purpose is attached to a divine timetable. This is why Israel, the scripture talks about the sons of Issachar, knowing the times and the seasons and knowing how to advise Israel what to do. In other words, God will never take your decision-making ability from you. He will never take your, your freedom of choice away from you. But what he will do, he will give you a mentor so that he builds capacity as well as character. And when he builds the character, the character begins to dictate to the decisions that you make. Your core values and your core values are going to be tested and it's the responsibility of your mentor to discipline or put disciplinary measures in place to test your character because your gift and anointing will award you a place of prominence. God said, I'm going to make you the head and not the tail. I'm going to make you first and not last above only and not beneath. I'm going to set you above all nation. So that means that your destiny should be in alignment with God's promises. So it's not an issue of whether or not you're going to climb this, the ladder of success. You will. But one of the things you have to be cautionary about is not compromising your Christian values to get there. And we're all going to be tempted. And all of us have a price. And the issue is, what will you pay to get to the top? You're going to have to sacrifice something. And most people sacrifice their future success for immediate gratification. I would rather sacrifice who I am to yield it to who I'm going to be rather than sacrifice who I'm going to be because I don't have the value of the process that I'm in. If you're getting me, are you with me? It doesn't feel good because it's uncomfortable, but it's not painful. Any, anyone knows about adjustment. It, it is uncomfortable. You have to sleep different if you've ever had your back adjusted, you know, and if, if the muscles have grown to be out of alignment to God's original plan and purpose. If you ever get an alignment, if you ever go to someone that aligns your back, you, you will swear that they messed you up because now the muscles are screaming. <laughs> because if, if, if your bones are misaligned, the muscles are going to be misaligned. But soon as you get adjustment, the muscles say, I know how to operate misaligned. But this alignment thing, I, I remember I went to a chiropractor and he said, OK, Cindy, I'm going to align your back. And I said, OK. And I heard this cracking and this knocking and and they said, you're all right. 
So I went home and when I went home to lay down, uh, my muscles were like, ow! And, 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 and then my muscles said, you see, that man messed up your back. <laughs> but I had been messed up for so long that the alignment brought so much discomfort that my whole body started complaining. And you know why? Because now it had to function differently. It means that I had to walk differently. I have to lay differently. And most of us love because the brain is wired for homeostasis, right? And so anytime God begins to manipulate you in the realm of the spirit, wrong word, adjust you in the word of the spirit, (laughs) whenever he starts adjusting you, it's not going to feel good. And if you have a mentor, if you have been appointed a spiritual mother or a spiritual father who has spiritual accuracy and has discernment of spirits and it's able to see through your facades, because that's what we have. We have a facade, right? It's self-protecting. It's called religion. (laughs) And when, when, when your religion becomes your facade, when it becomes your wall, a mentor has to be anointed by God to help you to pull the walls down. A mentor does not come in like a wrecking ball. (laughs) Wink, wink. (laughs) They don't come in. They come in with the gentleness of the Holy Spirit, but they raise a bar based on your capacity. Capacity and potential is two different things. Just because you have the potential doesn't mean you got the capacity. That's why your mentor is responsible for putting you in a capacity building process. It's building capacity in you. It's stretching you. Uh, They will raise the bar just beyond your reach. So a mentor or a teacher or a spiritual leader that doesn't raise a bar just above your reach doesn't love you. My God. It, it, it's saying to you, you don't have any more capacity and you don't have potential when, wow. in fact, you do know you have potential. But what they will not do is allow you to be comfortable with yesterday's successes. So we get to celebrate once. But Paul said, we are pressing on. We are pressing ahead to the prize that is what? Before us. That means whenever you get to the technon stage, your vision is going to be more important than your resume. You don't bring a resume to the table. That's what you did. What do you have the potential to do? So a real mentor, uh, your spiritual leader, is not interested in what you did yesterday. They're interested in what do you have the capacity for, for tomorrow? Jesus Christ, who was, who is, watch this, who is to come. So this is who I was. This is who I am. But who does God say you're going to be two years from now, three years from now, four years from now? This process is not about who you were yesterday. It's not about who you are today. It's about who you are tomorrow and you're going to have discomfort. Ask Jacob. Jacob wrestles with God and God just takes his his hip and throws it out of kilter. Why? Because he was going to change his walk. God is about to change your spiritual walk. 
so that you can walk in the spirit and not in the what? Flesh. So this is about spiritual maturation, not about natural. This is why when we go into spiritual warfare, you are not fighting an individual. Spiritual warfare tells you that it's what? Spiritual. So it could be an attitude, someone's attitude towards you, someone's opinion about you. It is not the person that we're fighting. It's the spirit that's driving that person. Are you with me? And so it's important now, even in the book of Jeremiah chapter 1, if you would go there with me, please. The Bible said the words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests that were at Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Amnon, king of Judah, in the 13th year of the reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the end of the 11th year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the carrying away of Jerusalem. Jerusalem captive in the fifth month. Why is all of that important? <clears throat> it's all important. It just sounds like it's uh, apostolic or theological rambling when in fact it's not rambling. What they're trying to do is to identify the right Jeremiah because the, the, there were a lot of Jeremiah's just like there's a lot of John's today. Uh, there was a lot of Jeremiah's and, and if you go back in history, what, what God wanted to do was if you do a historical research of this particular Jeremiah, you will find out that there was an actual Jeremiah that lived that had this conversation with God. So he's establishing the time and the era and the generation and the city and who his kins were so that you can identify the exact Jeremiah. Verse number three, it came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the end of the 11th year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the carrying away of Jerusalem, captive in the fifth month. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in thy belly, I knew thee. Before thou cometh out of the womb, I sanctified thee, ordained thee to be a prophet unto the nations. Then I said, Our Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. Now, watch this. He was not referring to himself based on age. What he was simply saying is, I'm not a son of the prophet. I don't have a mentor. Even though I have the potential, there is no one around me to build the capacity. Are you with me? So I'm a child. I'm not a son. I'm not a son of a prophet. I'm just a child. So that's that Hebrew word ma'ar, M-A-A-R, ma'ar, which is equivalent to the Greek word technon. That's the fifth stage of spiritual maturation. And so when we talk about technon, we're talking about you now being placed under a mentor or someone that has the spiritual responsibility and the maturity. Now, remember, we were talking about the previous stage. And in this previous stage, one of the things that we talked about how important that particular stage was because we wanted to make sure that you were not promoted because someone like you. That you were actually qualified. You remember we were talking about that? And we talked about how important it is for you to understand this particular process and how God appoints an individual based on purpose and not on personality. And so you could be liked, but it may not be your timing. 
And so this is where we talked about not only the protocol of submission, but the authority that goes along with that particular stage. And we have to, we have to be able to move from that particular stage into that pais, that stage of submission, and then to this particular stage, which is technon. So we want to get into the technical part of this uh, particular stage of spiritual maturation after we have dealt with the authority and the submission. Um, after you've learned the art of submission, and we, we, we've discovered that submission is sub- not someone making you do something. It's, it's you willingly submitting. If, if they make you do something, it's slavery. But if you willingly submit, it's submission. Or you willingly divest yourself of the authority and then you humble yourself. God said, I'll exalt you. So this particular stage presupposes that you do have uh, governors and you do have tutors. Let's look at, um, uh, just dig a little further uh, in verse number seven of Jeremiah. It says, but the Lord said unto me, say not, I'm, I, I, I am a child. So he was simply saying, look, I don't have anyone to submit to so that I can be discipled or become a mentoree. Um, I don't have a mentor. And so in as much as you are telling me that I'm going to be a prophet and I'm going to have a global exposure, there's no one in my immediate sphere of influence that has uh, identified me as their disciple. But the Lord said unto me, say now that I'm a child. So God cautions him because um, in the absence of a natural or spiritual mentor, God becomes your mentor. He said, I- I- I'll mentor you. God is going to become your mentor. Therefore, the first stage of this process actually begins with God. It doesn't begin with a person. It begins with God. If you cannot submit to God, you will not be able to submit to God's appointed mentor. Yeah, that's right. And so it starts with your personal relationship because God is the author and the finisher of your faith. And it takes a lot of faith to trust God to bring you through that process. And unless you're, you, you, you recognize that this stage is divine, you'll jump over this step. And thus abort the process that qualifies you and equips you and prepares you to be an effective spiritual mother, father in the future. So that means the beginning of anything sets the tone and the relevance of everything to follow. So if this stage begins with full trust and submission to God and his divine process, it is impossible for your career, your ministry, your business, your family to be other than successful because you are submitting to God. And so God says to him, don't worry about it. Wherever I send you, you're going to go and whatever I command you to speak, you'll be able to speak. So his first submission was God. Let's look at Galatians chapter four, verses one to seven. Galatians four, one to seven. The Bible says, now I say that the ear, as long as he is a child, watch this. Don't say that I'm a child. As long as he's a child, differing nothing from a servant. As long as you refuse to submit in the realm of the spirit, you're a child. Wow. 
You have no covering. You have no authority. You are not registered in heaven. You could be registered in earth, but you want your credentials to come from God. So whether a person credentials you or license you is inconsequential. If you are registered in heaven, it's inconsequential whether you're registered or a, as a license or ordained on earth. You're still going to do the work. Call me sister. <laughs> Call me brother. But it's the authority. It's, it, it's the difference between Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel. You see, Nebuchadnezzar had the position. Daniel had the power. Are you with me? He had the natural domain, but da Daniel had spiritual dominion. Spiritual dominion comes from two things, influence and authority. So he might influence a kingdom, but he did not have authority over the kingdom. Daniel, nothing moved in Babylon unless Daniel authorized it. If he reversed it, he said, look, I'm not going to disrespect you, O king, but I'm not going to bow to you. You have the position. God has the power. Go in the lion's den. No problem. Why? I have dominion over the animal kingdom. I don't have to disrespect you to exercise my dominion. So he goes into the lion's den and the lions take on the personality of kitty cats and he lays off and he sleeps because he has dominion. Are you with me? God wants to give you dominion and the stage. You've got to go through this stage. Technon It's the technicality. Look, I, I, I watched OJ Simpson. Okay. Please don't tell him he was guilty. And I said it. <laughs> he just might come out of jail, but everything pointed all the facts pointed towards him being guilty. But they had to let him go based on a what? Technicality. Are you getting it? This right here deals with the technicalities involved in spiritual authority. You see, you may, you may be registered, but based on technicalities. So you want to get the technicalities right. You want to get the technicalities right. Are you under submission? Okay. Now, the Bible said, as long as he's a child, he differs nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. In other words, he has inheritance, but he cannot access the inheritance because he has not uh, matriculated through the process, this technon process. So verse number two says, but he's under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Now, this is important because the tutors and governors, a tutor is responsible for intellectual building, intellectual capacity. <clears throat> so that tutor will teach you. And this is where spiritual maturation comes because you've got to be a student of the word of God. Amen. You, you've, you've got to go from milk to meat. You got to go from water to, to milk to meat. And Paul said, look, when you should be teachers, you have one need that one teaches you again. Why? Because you haven't matured. So you've got to be able to understand, yes, we all now are qualified to access the inheritance in the saints. Even though we're qualified, we haven't been postured or positioned or recognized by heaven to access it. Wow. It's so big and so mighty and so great. It's like putting a two-year-old and an 18-wheeler on 75. Yeah. 
and say, go for it. You, you got the potential. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't have the maturation. Like I can't even catch a ball, let alone, you know, with the brakes and the handle. I don't have eye-hand coordination. I even dropped my own bottle. And you're putting me in an 18-wheeler. God is not going to put you in an 18-wheeler and say, go for it if you're spiritually immature. Now, you have the potential, but you don't have capacity. Capacity comes with what? Experience. So your mentor is there to give you experience. That's what they're there. The tutor gives you intellectual. Build your intellectual muscles. But watch this. The governor is responsible for character development. And the character flows out of your spirit. So these are where your core values. Now, let me ask you a question, and this is just just a, a simple question that I'm going to ask you. Now, how many of you, of you have Christian values? All right. How many of you have been saved longer than 10 years? Been a Christian longer than 10 years, right? Okay, now, how many of you believe or know and are convicted that lying is wrong? So within the last 10 years, how many of you have lied? There you go. So, so why, why is that important? It's important because you do have core values, but they have to be tested. Are you with me? They've got to be tested because when God finally elevates you to the place of power and dominion and authority, it is too late for us to start talking about character building. And this is this is what the enemy wants to do. He, he wants you to jump over this so that when God elevates you, you don't only pull yourself down, you pull the whole body of Christ down. Because every Christian will suffer when you fall. If you're a part of the body of Christ, you're either the hand or the foot or the arm. If you were climbing up in a a ladder and your finger slipped off of the ladder, not just your fingers are going to fall. Your your legs and your body and your arms are going to say, I'm staying up here on this ladder. I mean, you know, my finger slip. It don't work like that. When the finger slip, guess what happens? The neck goes, the head goes, the arms go, the legs go. And what if you're the eyelid? But I happen to be the foot. I can't just disconnect myself and say, look, that's the eyelid. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> there goes the eyelid right there. That's all of us. And so you are not an island. You're not just doing it for yourself. It's not about you. It's about all the people that you're going to influence, even the people that you know nothing of. It's about, it's, it, it's about what God had in mind, not only for you, but for your family, for your community, for your industry, for your nation, and for this world. Are you with me? He said, go into all the world. And so if you abort this process, everything that God wants to do through you to bring this world back into alignment is aborted. It's all about sabotage. And so being disciplined at this area, getting a tutor and having a governor and someone that makes you accountable and responsible. And we're not talking about sin because we're not we're not driven by sin. We're not driven by the fear of sinning. There's so much righteousness to do. When do you have time to sin? 
By the time I finish trying to live right for the Lord and fast and pray and do my Bible study and worship and rebuke the devil, it's time to go to bed. <laughs> I'm tired. Are you with me? We don't have time. There's so much to navigate in the realm of the spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to talk to you. Even if God wanted to talk to you just about you and just about your purpose. If he just wanted to talk about that, it will take him 96 years to finish the conversation. When do you have time to listen to the devil? Turn to your neighbor and say, ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> Turn to your other neighbor and say, bye, Felicia. We don't, we, we don't have time. <laughs> oh, we, we got to listen to God. And we want to be a part of this process. And everybody God sends into your life, no matter how long they're in your life, they are carrying an assignment that is either going to help you to develop intellectually or spiritually. That is their assignment. And they're going to challenge you because you do not draw to yourself who you want. You draw to yourself who you are. What you don't like about somebody is secretly hidden in you and God brings them to you as a mirror and he's saying I'm going to deal with that so when you when you when you're talking about having the character of God the character of God is displayed in the fruit of the spirit so if you want to be like God you're going to have the fruit of the spirit and the fruit of the spirit adjusts your temperament it doesn't do anything for your personality if you destroy a man's personality, you destroy the man. But what God does, he adjusts your temperament. Why? Because your temperament has weaknesses and it has strengths. And to compensate for the weaknesses, God gives you the fruit of the spirit. God said, look, Paul said, I besought the Lord three times to remove this thorn in my flesh. But God said, my grace is sufficient. And he's talking about the grace to superimpose the fruit of the spirit over the weakness of your temperament. And, and if you don't get it the first time, God will allow someone to come into your life. He is not talking about you pointing out. He's talking about you pointing in. You having a Psalm 51 experience, creating me a clean heart, renew a right spirit in me against thee and thee alone. Have I done this evil in thy sight? Are you with me? Thou desireth truth in the inward part. Why truth? Truth is the only thing that demands a response and it's the only thing that can liberate you. You could, you, you could spend the rest of your life talking about what is true. But God doesn't want what is true. He wants truth. And there is a difference. Are you with me? Truth. When you find your place of truth, you find your place of power. When you find your place of truth, you find your place of dominion. When you find your place of truth, you find your place of healing. When you find your place of truth, you find your place for a breakthrough. If you could just find that place of truth, God's word is truth. And he wants you to hide the word, not your memory, but the word. The word will do the adjustment. He sends his word to deliver us. Jacob wrestled with God all night. And he emerged walking a different way, but he also emerges with a different name. So what, what, what is the, 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 what is the um, 
application of that. Whenever you find your place of truth and you begin to wrestle with God, a name also presupposes the change of a nature. So when God changed his nature, using earthly things to gain success, he now taps into a spiritual dimension where God calls him Israel, the prince who has favor with God and man. So you don't just want favor with God and have man hating you. <laughs> like you walk up to fulfill your assignment and purpose and they're like, get away from us. We don't like you. But you want favor with God and favor with man. And the way that that happens, God matures you in the things of the Lord so that the first thing that they see is somebody that's godly, someone that has character, someone that has fruit. You're light and you're salt. And that means that you could be gifted and talented, but lack wisdom. So a person that is light, they bring wisdom, they bring information, they bring revelation to the table. And then the person that is salt, they bring morality. So what, what, what they get is they get an individual who they may hire in, in a secular job or they even may hire in ministry. But what they get is a package deal. They get someone who is gifted and talented. Hit your neighbor, say, that will be me. That will be me. <laughs> they get someone that's anointed. Tell them that will be me too. That's me. That's me. But they also get someone that is moral and ethical. And that is the distinguishing mark of a Christian. We bring the morality and the ethics to the table. And this is what sustains communities and nations. When you have moral, ethical leadership, it is the very thing that sustains a nation. If you want to see a nation collapsing, let the, let the leadership be gifted, let them be talented, but let them be immoral. So that means that we have now a running chance as believers and Christians to emerge from out of the obscurity of the clutter of the common and distinguish ourselves in the realm of greatness, leading and bringing solutions to world problems. You are solution carriers go into all the world not only preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Baptizo means overwhelm them with, blow their mind. It means that when you walk up, people don't say, whoa, they say, wow. God is going to put the wow back in your life. And this, this is what mentorship does. Look at verse three. Of Galatians chapter four. Even so, we, when we were children, when we were children, we're in bondage under the elements of this world. We didn't have control over our emotions. One of the things that Paul said to Timothy, listen, uh, God is not giving you the spirit of fear, but power, love, and soundness of mind. So what does that mean? And he gives you control over your emotions. So one of the things, you don't want to be an emotional basket case when God gives you power. And this is the responsibility of your mentor is to bring the discipline so that you don't wear your emotions on the sleeve and you don't take anything personal. You don't take your marbles and leave and say, I'm not playing with you anymore. You know, you allow God to work in you so that you are light wherever you are. The pressure is going to come upon you. And the more they press, the more Jesus they see. You know, you, they don't see your old nature. They, they see the characters of Christ. 
And that's what you want. You want to be like Jesus. So the Bible said, uh, you're no longer under the elements of this world. Verse number four. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that was under the law that we may receive the adoptions of sons. In other words, you're going to be someplace because you are sons. God has sent forth the spirit of the son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more servants, but a son. And if a son then ear of God through Jesus Christ. So you want to access your inheritance and God wants to take you through the process with governors and tutors or with spiritual mentors to do it. First Peter chapter one, verse 14, 17. You getting anything out of this? Yes. So the Bible said as obedient children, as obedient technon, not fastening yourself according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as, but as, because in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be you holy in all manners of conversation. That word conversation is not just talk, but in your lifestyle. So we said in your lifestyle, you want to be like God. You want to be God godly. So that means that you have your, your, uh, your, uh, social persona or your social reputation is what people know about you. That's your public, uh, persona or your public re- reputation, but you also have your private. And the question is, uh, is, do you have integrity in both areas? So integrity is important because, um, integrity is not you lying to yourself. So, you know, so you want to make sure that when you go to sleep at night, you're the same person. Uh, you don't want to have a schizophrenic, you know, you're one thing in the public, but when you go home, if I interview your children or interview your husband and I say, they're really a nice person and your children are rolling their eyes back. <laughs> your, your husband is saying, you don't know Sally. <laughs> But you, you want them to say, yes, you know, that's exactly how they, they are. They're the same way. You know, you interview my family, my family would tell you she's the same way all the time. Hyper. But she's the same. <laughs> She's the same way all the time. You want your family. You want, to, you want to treat your family like you treat everybody else or even better. Amen. Amen. So you want you want your family to be able to testify as well as the the people in in the workplace. So whoever your friends are, you want the people in the workplace to be able to testify. I I worked in a secular job uh, corporately before full time ministry. And I, I tell you this interesting story. And so, you know, I had colleagues and close colleagues. They were brilliant and we were very close. We did dinner and lunch together. So one of my colleagues was a chain smoker. And, um, so I, I was witnessing to, to them. So what I would do is they smoked and they shook if they couldn't smoke. So when we would drive, I, I would let them smoke in my car. I said, hang your head out of the car when you puff and hang the cigarette out. Right. Then I invited them to my house and I had cigarette ashes, ashtrays there. I said, you know, when you have your withdrawal, please just take the cigarette ashtray. Please go outside of my house. And after you finish your smoke, please feel free to come back in. So you, you don't scale a fish before you catch him. So finally, I convinced them they should go to New Year's service with me. So they bought their dancing shoes. <laughs> They're going to dance all right. <laughs> so they went to New, York, New Year's. 
And uh, the service was so high. It's a Pentecostal service. And they were clapping and everything. And then afterwards, they said, so, um, so when, 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 when's the next party? I said, that was the party. <laughs> they called me the next day. And this is what they said to me. I wasn't convinced that your lifestyle would be my lifestyle. But this is the first New Year's that I can remember, and the first New Year's that I didn't have a hangover, and I like it. Today, she is born again, married to a minister, and they are pastoring in New York City. The character. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? And a lot of times we, 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 we don't have personal integrity, so we want to spot, uh, shine the spotlight on the sinners. Yeah. But to me, the word sinner tells you what they're going to do. Yeah. Are you with me? It tells you. I mean, you know, a, a doctor does what? A lawyer does what? A dancer does what? A preacher does what? A sinner does what? Sinners are drawn by character. Not, not, not your preaching. Do you walk the walk and can you talk the talk and can you love them right where they are? Because that's where God found you. He didn't find you already with your invisible halo and your wings flying around. You didn't have, I don't care what Beyonce say. I can't see your halo. (laughs) Are you with me? But when they see you, do you want them to see Jesus? And this is what a tutor, this is what Technon is all about. It is, it is not telling you you're gifted. You know you're gifted. You know you're anointed. You know you're called. But it's saying now let's discipline your, you so that God can bring you into realms of dominion so yet that you not only have authority, the authority is given and is the, the authority is a given. But you also have influence. And how do you influence? You, you influence through credibility and through integrity. Write those words down. Credibility and integrity. Credibility is you keeping your word. Credibility is you not misrepresenting who you are and not misrepresenting the truth. Now, let's look at credibility from a story, a wonderful story out of the book of John. Jesus goes into this um, uh, pavilion where the sick were laying. The Bible said they were lame, they were sick, they were halted, and they were waiting. That describes most of your friends. <laughs> stop. Just, just, just stop. They're telling the same story they told last year, which they told the year before, which they told the year before. Nothing new is happening. They're lame. <laughs> Withering. They ain't getting better. They're getting worse. Halted and just waiting. Turn to your neighbor and say, "What you waiting for?" You gotta, you, you, you've gotta say, "Yes, Lord, yes, I want to be a part of this process." And He wants a real yes, not not coming out of your mouth, but coming out of your heart. Jesus walks in and found this man, and it's it's interesting how the scripture sets it up. He saw him lying, and said, "Wilt thou be made whole? Not healed." Whole. 
Why? Because he was lying to himself. Now watch this. The word lie means to, to recline horizontally or it means to misrepresent the truth. When he saw him misrepresenting who he was, he was the son of God, created in the image of God, and he was misrepresenting who he was. And Jesus said, do you want to be what? Whole. You mean to tell me I don't get crutches? No. I don't get a wheelchair? No. What I'm going to do is give you an opportunity to finally determine what you want for yourself. You don't have to be a victim of circumstance. You don't have to be a product of your environment. When you have the ability to make a decision and you take 100% responsibility for your action, this is what a tutor and a mentor will do. You're going to get to the point where you're going to stop blaming the devil. The greatest enemy of your future is not the devil, it's ignorance. You don't know who you are. You don't know who you are in the Lord. You don't know how powerful you are. You don't know how much uh, privileges you have. Because you would rather the world dictate to you than heaven dictate to you. And the tutor and the governor will put you into the word of God until you eat it and drink it until the word becomes flesh. He said, will thou be made whole? What did he do? Gave him an opportunity to make a decision for himself. Could things be the way they are because you are the way you are? And what one thing can you change that can change everything? The moment you change your mind, the moment you make a decision, your destiny alters. He gave him an opportunity. He gave him a word. When it comes to this period, Taknon, this period of time is characterized by structure and discipline and pressure. It's like, it's like you're a diamond in the rough. This is a period where God begins to place pressure upon you. And there's going to be a chipping away at your tendencies to be rebellious. And to exert your will above God's will. Because of the realization that you have a will of your own. But you're able to say, not my will, but thy will be done. In this stage, also... Because we can dress and care for ourselves, we no longer want to be told what to do. So this is a stage that God will flood your life with his glory. And the chipping away is not meant to hurt you, but to enhance the radiance of his life as it shines through you. Just like they chip away at a diamond, 57 facets, it's a brilliant diamond. And they chip away 57 times so that more light can be reflected through that. And the chipping away, this is this process, the chipping away is not meant to hurt you. It's so that God's glory can shine even more radiantly and brilliantly. You are a diamond in the rough, and when the rough edges are smooth from you. Many people are bored to your life, circumstances are bored to your life, not to rub you the wrong way, but to polish you and rub you the right way. They're bored to you socially, to refine you, emotionally, spiritually, professionally. This is the stage where a child finally becomes a lady and a gentleman, where God refines you, where you come from being a diamond in the rough. And we know the diamond is one of the hardest um, substance or one of the hardest natural material 
but it's made beautiful and it's made strong because of intense heat and pressure. And over years, it begins to crystallize. And once what once what once was just a tree through pressure and heat and through darkness, it becomes crystallized carbon that we call diamond. The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. A diamond is made because it's not made at the surface of the earth, but about a hundred feet beneath what a volcano, that volcano eruption, another hundred feet deep within this volcano fissures. This is where you are being formed, a hundred miles more below Earth's curved crust. And what makes it very, very valuable and very rare, it is because when the diamond is brought to the top, it's usually brought with much violence. It has to be magma force that forces it to the top. And so as it, as, as it is with a diamond, so it is with you. That when life's upheaval is thrown your way, what is happening? You're in the process because God is bringing your true brilliance, your true worth, and your true value that is hidden deep beneath the surface of who you are. And when the heat and inherent um, that is inherent in your, your hardship and the pressure that's inherent in your trials and, and from those tight places, that's where your true worth emerges. And once you get this revelation, you will no longer remain hardened by hardship or bitter from brokenness. But it's from those places where you are truly transformed. And that God causes you to rise up out of the obscurity and the common into a distinctive and uncommon person, a man, a woman within the kingdom of immense worth. And like a diamond exquisitely set, the world will at last witness your divine brilliance because God himself would have put it on display. Deep calleth unto deep. And so it is with God. You have this treasure in earthen vessels. And although you may look at yourself and although you may see the dirt around you, there's dirt around every treasure. And God removes the dirt to bring the best out of you. Hosea 6, 1 to 3 says, Come, let us return unto the Lord, for he has torn and he will heal. And he has smitten and he will bind us. After two days will he revive us. The third day he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. Then shall we, if we follow on to know the Lord, his going forth is prepared as the morning. He shall come unto us as the rain, the latter and the former rain on the earth. You've got to take care as we bring this section session to a close, not to avoid premature reproduction. Jesus, it took 30 years before he became a mater and pater. And he himself had to be sun place. When we talk about this, we're talking about the four stages in the process of mentorship. And we want you to stay tuned for it. God bless you. We pray that you got something out of this. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we give you praise and honor and glory. Even as we talk about Technon, the stage of mentorship. And we pray that you would bless us that we would not abort the process. Though we're under much pressure, much discomfort, and though we may not understand why it must be, but it's to bring the brilliance out of us. 
We are diamonds in the rough. And today, like Jesus bowing down in the Garden of Gethsemane, we say, not our will, but thy will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. This has been a production of the Awakening Podcast Network. Jennifer LeClaire is the founder and owner of APN. Our heart is to inspire people and exalt Jesus with every broadcast. We're grateful for our advertisers and supporters that make these podcasts possible. 